How do we measure what food news is? Is it the local food culture? Is it just the hospitality industry? Is it what people are eating today? We talked to Ian McNulty, commentator on public radio and journalist. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Ian McNulty. He is the food writer for the Times-Picayune and the New Orleans Advocate, and he's here with us to talk about all things Hi, welcome. Oh, great to be here with you, Liz. Thanks for having me. So, please tell us how you got started in this business. Uh, well, that's a question I get all the time because I think you know people see food writer, restaurant writer, they think that sounds fun. I could do that. I like to eat. Yeah, why not? But Liz, they really. I, I always have trouble finding pointing out any useful advice for people as far as a path. Right? It's not like. It's not like you take this course, you complete this internship, you you know, you do you do X, Y, Z and you get here, like, you know, if you were in law or something like that, or even in, in general journalism. It's such a niche uh, thing that we cover. Well, probably not every paper even has a food writer. Well, not anymore. Yeah. It's like a lot of journalism and a lot of the sort of the features areas of journalism, it's, it's gotten a lot more condensed. Um, but... For what it's worth, I mean, my own journey started out in in regular journalism. I didn't start out following food. I started out just trying to build a, a career in writing. I, you know, discovered in college that I was I was told I was good at writing. I was rewarded for for writing well uh-huh. in papers. Well, so I got out of college with an English degree, thinking, okay, what now? And so I found a job writing for a small town newspaper in my hometown in Rhode Island. Uh, covering everything under the sun in that small town, you know, zoning board meetings, school board meetings, cops, you name it. Well, I moved to New Orleans when I was 25, um, again, not for food, uh, just to live in a different place, explore, you know, my version of running away to Europe, uh, but uh, <laughs> a lot easier escape route. Where you already speak the language. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, mostly, you know, mostly spoke the language here in New Orleans. <laughs> um and again, when I got down here, I started uh, with the the weekly business paper covering such delicious topics as banking, insurance, nonprofit administration. <laughs> but I quickly found out that in New Orleans, people are always talking about food. And I got here, I didn't know anybody. I had zero connections, didn't have any friends. Um, but I, I, I picked up on this food conversation, which is everywhere, pretty obvious. And I learned that I could always strike up a conversation around food, whether it was with a banking executive I was trying to interview or the fellow sitting next to me in the bar who I didn't know yet. Uh, oh, hey, I'm just new to town here. Uh, where's, where's the best roast beef po' boy? What? You don't have a favorite roast beef po' boy yet? Come under my wing there, son. You know, that's how it would go. And um, so I was, you know, I was writing, I was exploring my new city. Uh, I was reading voraciously everything I could about this fascinating topic. I mean, the, the 
food. New Orleans food is such a big deal, but what is it? You know, as a as a writer, as a curious person living here, trying to learn about New Orleans, it was. I, I wanted to find out why it was such a big deal, why it was so important. Uh, you know, the the first few meals I had here were like, whoa, okay, this is is really different. What's this all about? You know, what's what's next? Uh, and I found myself, you know, exploring New Orleans different neighborhoods through restaurants, through restaurant tips that people had given me. And, you know, eventually I, I picked up a side gig uh, writing a column once a month about restaurants for Offbeat Magazine. And, okay. yeah, this was in the, the early 2000s. And, you know, it was... Local music magazine. Local music magazine, yeah, with a, with, with a, with a food column. They had mm-hmm. a long-running food column. Their columnist um, moved out of town. And, you know, I'd been talking to them about doing some freelance work. And I got the nod for that. So that was the first entry into that. And then Hurricane Katrina hits. And everything's up in the air, right? Like, every business is a big question mark. You know, of course, the... The daily paper, the Times Picayune, never, never stopped. But uh, you know, for the all the other smaller publications, you know, when were they going to come back? Would they come back? What was going to happen in that period? Gambit uh, decided to come back early, uh, and they, you know, were looking to restaff. You know, a lot of people had to move on, move away. Didn't know when they were coming back. Uh, so I was back. I was back very, very early. And, you know, I was uh, a warm body in the right place for that job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with my admittedly very slim experience, they hired me on to do a weekly column for them. So now I went from writing a monthly column to a weekly column. And Liz, with retrospect, this is very clear. But at the time, this was such a, a, a pivotal time in New Orleans food and such a... Um, Gift is the wrong way to talk about something that happened after Katrina, right? right? But for me personally, I got to see the city rebuild its restaurant community and its food culture and really express its longing and its loyalty and its affection and its connection to food at a time when it was all up in the air, it was all at risk. So it was a very raw time and it was, I mean, this was... The whole identity of the city was at stake and food was the best way to express it. That's right. That's well put. And so for, you know, the first year plus, all we did every week was write about different facets of the food community, you know, how they were faring, what their prospects were, how they are coming back, their successes, their struggles. And that was the master class in New Orleans food for right, me. Right. You know, that was worth a decade of, of poking around at different restaurants to, to see them at their, at their most pivotal time. Well, I, I really think it was an important time for food. We did an exhibit for the James Beard Foundation. I think it was in March, I'm not sure, of 2006. I know it was 2006. It was their first award ceremony after Hurricane Katrina. And they asked us to come up, and we did an exhibit called Restaurant Restorative and made parallels between the development of a restaurant and the word restorative, which was restaurant, and how it the restaurants actually helped restore the city because of going back to fix their restaurants before they fix their homes and being able to feed people and all of the things that the restaurants here did, which partially was just to maintain our identity, which was unbelievably unintentional, I think, but nevertheless what they wound up doing. So true. So true. I remember that exhibit well as, um, you know, that, that was a time when 
when a lot of things that maybe could have been taken for granted no longer could be, you know, and so people really doubled down on a lot of stuff. It was a time of great struggle and pain, misery and loss, but also a time of, of doubling down, of revival, of, of rethinking how we're going to do things. As a writer, it was an incredibly inspiring and educational time to sink into into <laughs> into the city, into the community, really. You know, I'd lived here for six years at that point. It's, you know, it was my home, and, but really bonded with, <laughs> with the place then <laughs> through that time, right? And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that the, the rebuilding part after Katrina, there was so much attention on restaurants because it was this visible beacon, you know, neighborhoods that were still in utter ruin, uh, you know, if the restaurant was back open in some kind of fashion, you know, or was coming back or was, had, had you know, promising messages spray painted on the plywood over the windows <laughs> for crying out loud. I mean, that was, that was progress back then. And it was, you know, the thing about Katrina was it, it, it devastated so much of the city, but not all of it. And, mm-hmm. and some areas were able to come back quite quickly and people got right back to it. You know, I mean, there were, there were, there were restaurants that were serving, uh, you know, serving food and, and doing their thing, getting back to hospitality within months, you know, in, in the French Quarter, downtown, uptown, places that hadn't been badly flooded. Plus, people expanded their hours and did all kinds of things to accommodate all the people who were trying to muck out their houses and whatever. And they couldn't cook because they had no, <laughs> That's right. no kitchen. And so That's to right. be able to eat the food that was home to them, I think was really encouraging, even if they had to leave at the end of the day and drive back to some other town where they were sleeping. Right. Yeah. No, that was uh, that, you know, the the conversation of New Orleans food never stops (laughs) no matter what we're going through. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a critical part of the cultural identity of the city. And so it, it responds a lens and a mirror to all the things that, that the city goes through, that the community goes through. So, so you were writing for Gambit during this really pivotal time. Yeah. And then what other things were you doing? Oh, yeah. All, all freelance. Yeah, I, I, I worked for basically any, anybody in town that I could kick <laughs> with. Uh, you know, no one, no one of those jobs, uh, you know, was, was enough, of course. But, you know, put them all together. I had a pretty good freelance career. I had that running for about eight years until, you know, big seismic shift in the, the media world here in New Orleans when the Times-Picayune, you know, the, the parent company, uh, the big conglomerate that owned all these papers, decided you know, they were going to go the digital route and, and make the Times-Picayune no longer a daily print edition. Well, this sparked, like you just know, uh, a newspaper battle with uh, The Advocate coming in, getting local ownership. This Baton Rouge paper becomes a, a New Orleans paper. They eventually, through the years, acquire the other paper. Now it's one paper. Now it's that mouthful, the Times-Picayune, the New Orleans Advocate, NOLA.com. <laughs> and lo and behold, I started with the, the New Orleans Advocate when they got their start in 2013. And so I joined a bunch of alums from the old Times-Picayune to, to try to build up this new newspaper that eventually became <laughs> one with the old newspaper. And here we are with a very long masthead title. That's for sure. But the advocate, that was my first full time job covering food. You know, I, that that's when I switched from freelance and covering whatever I could to solely focusing on food. 
Well, so when did you start doing those radio spots that you do? Oh, yes. I also do a long-running uh, weekly piece on WWNO, the NPR affiliate here. I think I started doing that around 2009. I had uh, I'd written a book called A Season of Night, which was about coming back after Katrina. It was about the first few months after Katrina, a memoir-style account of that period. And so I did some speaking engagements for that. I did some radio interviews for that. I was, you know, approached, hey, we like the way you sound and talk. Why don't you come, why don't you do a radio piece? And uh, and so that began and has been rolling every week, every week ever since. And it's 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 changed and evolved and I, I hope hopefully in, in sync with the rest of my writing in that I, I used to focus a lot on individual restaurants or, or this or that kind of facet of dining out. And what I discovered, Liz, was the, the feedback that I got from New Orleans people was that they, they really appreciated more the, the pieces that kind of framed the culture around their dining scene, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the culture around their their food ways. And that the more I could kind of dive into that and explore, take that apart, the more... The more uh, interesting it was to I, oh, locals. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 to everybody, not just to the people who might want to dine out at this fine restaurant or this sushi bar, you know. Um, and so that's the way that, that's the way that's grown. Yeah. Well, I, I think I really, really like your radio pieces. Thank you. They sort of capture something, you know, each one is like a little gem all by itself, (laughs) even though they're really short. That's very flattering. Yes. They're two minutes long. Thank you very much for the compliment. My mindset on that is, you know, time is precious. These days you get everything buzzing and zinging and flashing at you for your attention, you know, the attention commodity thing that is that is the media. And if I can give people just two minutes of something about something they care about, which in this city, food, you know, and I can just 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 ask them for that two minutes and give them something for that, <laughs> that's the deal I'm trying to broker. So I want to know how you see this fitting into this larger thing that we see, I think, today, which is writing about food much more broadly than it ever has been before. I mean, old food sections used to just be recipes for home cooks. And I think today the New York Times, the Washington Post in particular are two, but also in San Francisco and Los Angeles you can see it um, also. And I I think nowhere like here, but um, there's a, a whole look at food systems, sure. uh, sustainability, um, in, in addition to um, cool hacks <laughs> and all that right. kind of thing. So. Oh, yeah, sure. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, it used to be just recipes for the home cook and then like the, the restaurant review, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you, you've seen the, the coverage grow in a very positive way, in my opinion, to, to be much more inclusive. I mean, to, to have, you know, small mom and pops get coverage to, to try to get behind the scenes of, of restaurants and how they work, their relationships with the with people, the people who work there, the people who are their customers, their suppliers. The way I look at it is, you know, me personally, I, I consider my job to cover the food life of new Orleans, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. The, the restaurants, the food, the thing that gets people to, passionate about it right the, including home about cooking yeah, to some extent yeah to some extent because I, 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 I write about food right so uh a lot uh, it, this the suppliers the uh uh-huh. where it comes from 
The from, grocery stores. Yeah, the grocery stores, right? <laughs> uh, again, it's like, it's, think about this. Like, the think about sports coverage, right? It's not just the X's and O's or who won, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, who's the coach? What motivates the running back? Uh, you know, who, that, that receiver uh, from, from 10 years ago, what's he doing now, you know? I mean, there's so many different ways to look at that passion of sports. I, I consider it the same thing with, with our food coverage, mm-hmm. you know? And you put on different hats for it, you know? You're a columnist over here voicing an opinion, are talking about the pleasure of this restaurant. Uh, you're trying to be a, a business analyst over here. You know what's what's driving these trends in the in the in in the in the business. You know you, you wear a real estate hat sometimes. <laughs> you know, we spend a lot of time in the restaurant beat writing about real estate transactions. Sure. Um, you know, and you get into the sociology of it. You know how how restaurants and 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 food outlets and markets and food trucks and all these things, how they play out across diverse neighborhoods and different communities, where they intersect, what people can learn from them. I mean, it's such a rich topic. And to me, again, it's so rewarding because it has people's attention, right? It has their interest. It has their their eager, skin-in-the-game interest. <laughs> There's the, 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 the passion that New Orleans people put into it, you know, is what makes it worth covering. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see you what you're doing fitting into that larger that larger community of food writing that we were just talking about? Well, I I I I try to write well, I try I write for New Orleans people. Okay. Plain and simple, you know. If, if people outside of New Orleans who have an interest in New Orleans read it, that's great. But my audience are the people who subscribe to our newspaper, who, you know, subscribe to our website and who listen to the radio or watch the local news. I'm talking to new Orleans people. I want, I, w- I want to them. I-, I want to learn things about their things that they're passionate about and share that with them, you know, and that happens in restaurants that happens behind the scenes that happens in marketplaces and shrimp docks. It's every time I set out for a story, I, I try to ask myself, you know, okay, what did I learn? What is interesting about this? What do people want to know? What would people want to know about this? What would be an interesting thing about this? Instead of necessarily, you know, uh, that's a different approach from just keeping up with the trends necessarily, or, right. you know, or, which, which is important too. And people, people definitely like to know what's hot and what's next, sure. where they're going to go next. That's a hot topic in the world always. So I try to take a, a rounded approach knowing that I'm writing for very different people, you know, that, that, people who can dine out at the fanciest restaurant every night and people for whom going out for a nice lunch is still kind of a splurge. And the people that, you know, are, are, are looking for bargains, the people who are looking for the very best, the people who are interested in what's new, the people who don't, who, who want to remember the, the, the grandness of the places that have long been here. Uh, you know, I, I try to put something on the plate for that, broader community of people in New Orleans. Yeah, and there's even that group of people who go to the same place over and over the way you go to your corner bar <laughs> oh, over yeah. and over again because you want to know everybody and be known. Absolutely, yeah. No, th- I mean, there's a great pleasure in both of those, you know, exploring, uh, finding new places, learning new things through them, and then coming back to your home base, settling in, reconnecting, that feeling of restoration you mentioned right, earlier. right. You know, it's all a very big part of it. I mean, it's not one thing, right? If it was, well, the beat would probably be over. You know, you wouldn't have to keep following it. Uh, you know, but like the like the sports analogy, you know, there's a, there's the, the, the roster's always changing. 
the you know mm-hmm. the, the the results are always changing. The coaches are sometimes different. So yeah, it, it's there's there's never a lack of things to cover. And in fact, the struggle is as one person trying to um, trying to do a, a credible job of of representing the passion that the city puts into it <laughs> through their media. So I I am personally interested in home cooking, and I feel like. I just interviewed some people who wrote a book called Making Dinner, mm. and it was all about, and it's an academic study of people who cook dinner for their families oh. and all of that sort of thing. And I think that in New Orleans, there is as much as people go out to eat, I think people still cook at home. Oh. And, you know, that whole story of where's the best gumbo well it's at my mama's house or you know something like that it's certainly not in a restaurant for most people um and i'm look at um the way food is covered especially in new york and washington those are the two where i see uh, a lot of um let's let's read about how to cook this, but we know you're really not going to do it. I mean, there's that tone <laughs> right. about the way it's written that makes you feel like it isn't real. Whereas here, you know, after Katrina, when our food editor, Judy Walker, at the Times Picayune in, in those days, wound up writing a book about cooking after the storm, uh, cooking up a storm, because, because people were saying, I can't make this anymore because I lost all my recipes and can you help me find this recipe and whatever, which really indicated to me that people were still cooking at home. Yes. And I just wonder about that in New Orleans and how you place that, um, that, that I don't want to call it a trend, but that characteristic mm. of our eating that and how it it might reflect or stand up against other places. Oh sure, no, it's the cornerstone of everything we're talking about. It's uh quite frankly it, it just shows that New Orleans has a cuisine. And this is this is something that actually took me longer than I'm proud to admit to, to realize. <laughs> you know, talk about oh, New Orleans food, New Orleans dishes, that's a New Orleans recipe. No, New Orleans is a cuisine in the way that Italian Food is a cuisine, you know. Mm-hmm. It's its own thing, and the restaurants reflect it. But it starts at home. Right. It's, it's it absolutely starts at home. It's and it, it carries through our parties and and our tailgate <laughs> scenes and our get-togethers and how we mourn, how we celebrate. All of you know. Th- this is the this is the food that's on the table. This is the food that is New Orleans, is to a large extent Louisiana, and you know. Restaurant tours are are brave in this town in a way because they're competing with every home cook. You know? <laughs> and there's there's countless stories of that I've collect all the time of of people who started restaurants you know without any serious restaurant experience but with a lot of home cooking experience, which is just not a, usually not a recipe for success, right? Oh, you love to cook at home? Don't open a restaurant. <laughs> but when we're talking about New Orleans food, people have this bedrock knowledge of of the shared cultural code of New Orleans food from home, that's a pretty strong basis, right? And the, the thing about the great, you know, for, for out-of-towners, you know, you, you come to town, I want gumbo, I want jambalaya, I want boiled shrimp, I want crawfish boil. These are things that everyone does at home, right? right I mean, this, right. It's, this is not something that just lives in restaurants or is put out for tourists or, or is wheeled out once a year as a special holiday dish. I mean, right. this is a way of life in mm-hmm. New Orleans homes, in New Orleans neighborhoods. And the restaurants are one avenue of that. 
you know, our traditional New Orleans restaurants serve the things that people have been eating at home for a long time. Mm-hmm. They do it a little differently because it's a restaurant, but it's the same basic code. Mm-hmm. Red beans on Monday, seafood on Fridays, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's something I tell visitors, too. Uh, you know, if you're coming to New Orleans, you want to have an authentic experience, you're worried about being touristy, am I being touristy? Go to local restaurants and you're doing something that is 100% authentic to what New Orleans is and what New Orleans people do and talk about and obsess over by eating New Orleans food. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone, somebody from out of town comes in and goes to Dunbar's or Mandina's, just sits down, looks around, Starts eating whatever the special of the day is, you know, like look at the mix of, of people around the room. That's as New Orleans as it gets. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. The, the home cooking is, uh, is it, it's, it, it's, it's part of the cultural pursuit of what this, what it means to, to have a food culture in New Orleans. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not at all separate from the restaurants. The restaurants just frame and present the same base material differently. Yes, it, it it seems harder to to write about because you can't go to everybody's house right. and eat dinner. True, <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, there's something I learned, you know, during some explorations of of Louisiana outside of New Orleans. You know, I was I was trying to explore Cajun country, Creole, the Creole heartland out there, right? And you know, you go to restaurants like, oh, this is great, terrific. But you know, every piece of advice I was getting is, well, but you know, you're not really getting the full experience until like you come over to somebody's house. I'm like, okay, what time is dinner? Is this on Sunday? What are we talking about? <laughs> right, you know, please. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll cut your right. grass. I'll I'll do small tasks around the household. What do I need to do? You're absolutely right though. Now it, it lives in the households. It does. Which, you know, it's some people you know, when they go out to dinner, that's, frankly, that's why they're looking for something different from, from, from uh, New Orleans food. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. And so the other thing, too, that I think we do really well, unlike, say, New York, New York seems to allow people to remain separate so that mm-hmm. you can eat the world in New York. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to say that it isn't a great food city, mm-hmm. but... It is not New Orleans because there's not really New, New York cuisine. Right. And so if you, if you go to New York and you want a certain type of food, you can likely find it done by people from whatever country or region of some other country <laughs> or you know, micro region. Mm-hmm. They've come to New York and they're, they're producing the food that they know. And you can enjoy it, which is a really special opportunity but when you come here and you're from someplace else, we start to bring you in and convert <laughs> you. And so that no food remains pure and it becomes something else when it's here. Oh, yeah. That's a, it's, that's well put. I, it, you're right. These other the much larger cities, they're great food cities because of that, just that you know, immense plurality of it all yes. that, you know, that anybody, any niche will find enough people to support it. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, and that, that's like thrilling to go explore. And, you know, there's tons of money to support all these incredibly elaborate restaurants and, uh, and then the street food scenes. I mean, that's what I get to do when I, when I go, mm-hmm. go and travel mm-hmm. to the cities. But when you come to New Orleans, yes, you're experiencing New Orleans food culture. Not that we, we have a lot of diversity and, growing diversity and I think that's that's speaks to 
the wide ranging interest in food that New Orleans people have. You know, even for a, for a city of our size to have really the incredible diversity of different types of restaurants that are available to us now. But the main conversation, the thing that makes New Orleans a food city is New Orleans food. Right. <laughs> so when you come here, you're, it, it's, and, and it's not, it, to me, it's not just a collection of dishes and it's not even, you know, the, the background of home cooking. It, it, it is the community around it. Mm-hmm. It is the fact that people have, uh, have something that they share through New Orleans food and they have a language to talk to each other about. They have this shared sense of identity. And, and even when they branch off from that and explore different things, they're still taking that with them. And they have that starting point in common. Mm-hmm. So that's the community part of it. You know, I, you can talk to anybody from any walk of life, from any part of town in the city, about food, mm-hmm. about gumbo, about what they do for Mardi Gras, you know, and it's going to play out very differently in different places, but we're still talking about the same thing, our love of New Orleans food. And if I eat gumbo at your house, <laughs> I know that it's gumbo. Ian, mm-hmm. when I know it's different from my gumbo, but it's still gumbo. And when you come to my house, you recognize that too. And I think that that is that one of the keys to the fact that there is a cuisine, that everybody's gumbo is different, everybody's jambalaya is different, everybody's red beans and rice will be different, but we still recognize what it is. And yes. that's, that is what keeps us connected. And it's a way of life. You know, like, like I said earlier, it's not something that's wheeled out for a special occasion or for a holiday or this is what we do to celebrate New Orleans on this day, like, you know, corned beef and cabbage for, for St. Patrick's Day or something than once right. a year, right? right? It's every day. You right. know, it's, it's, it's what we come back to. It's what we use to mourn, celebrate, welcome people, send people off. You know, it's, it's everyday stuff. It's a way of life. Yes. So thanks so much, Ian. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, me too. A pleasure to be here with you. And uh, thanks for letting me talk about my favorite topic. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.